So I just start over. Yeah, I think we should start from the beginning because I don't think there's going to be anywhere for you to let that in. It's Friday, June 10th, 2016, and this is episode 16 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I'm Craig Stone. With me is Kyle Askin. Howdy. So we have a lot to get through today, news-wise. A couple of less exciting things before we get to the big announcements about openings and not mergers, but purchases, I guess you'd call it. So the first thing is that Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, has signed the Atlantic City aid package that includes the payment in lieu of taxes bill, as well as the uh, whatever they're calling the takeover. Um, I guess at this point it just paves the way for a takeover. So that's been signed. We talked about how it had been passed. And now the city of Atlantic City has 150 days to come up with a plan that is satisfactory to the state uh, to avoid you know, a full-on takeover where the state can do things like bust the unions and void public worker contracts and that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to say about this. I don't know if you have anything that you want to add about it being signed. I mean, it's nice that he finally signed it and didn't just sit on it and let it die like he did the last time they passed a bill for Atlantic City. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh, from what uh, Steve Sweeney and Chris Christie are saying, they basically both believe that Atlantic City will be theirs to run in 150 days. Uh, Don Guardian has come out and said that he thinks he can come up with something to not cause that to happen, but I think we will probably know a lot more in the five months from now and in the intervening time. Yeah, they've both, Steve Sweeney, the Senate, state Senate president, and Chris Christie have both said they'd be fairly shocked if Atlantic City can come up with a um, reasonable plan <laughs> in those five months. But, uh, you know, it seems kind of weird that they would come out and say that just a few days later, but that's a, it's not really worth getting into, I don't think. No. Um, so another thing we talked about is open container laws on the boardwalk. It had been brought up as uh, a possibility that it would be brought to the city council for a vote. That vote never happened. They delayed it because they wanted to get more stakeholders involved. Uh, and then they've decided now to shelve it again. And so it seems like there's some some discussion about you know, does the state have to approve this as well as Atlantic City? What exactly has to go go through everything? So it seems like it's not going to happen this summer. And it's kind of disappointing to me, at least. And I know the Atlantic City Alcohol Beverage Control Board chair is quite angry because he made a statement that Christian Hedrick posted on Twitter uh, saying, needless to say, it was very disappointing to see the city council once again failed, failed all in, in caps, uh, to vote on Atlantic City's open container ordinance, basically just calling out the city council. Uh, failed is in the statement twice in all caps, and uh, he says, you know, this is going to be a financial windfall. You just have to make this happen, and he's very disappointed that they couldn't come up with a solution. Uh, so, you know, we got ourselves psyched up for it, and it seems like it's it's not going to be ready to go for the summer for that trial run that we talked about. Yeah, so, I mean, in my reading of it, it sounds like there are kind of two things that came up. One is when we, when I first kind of proposed this a few episodes ago before we knew that, I guess, there's actually work being done on it. I said one snag that could happen is that the state could just simply not allow it, even though they passed something, which it sounds like there there's at least some concern over now. And the other thing that it sounds like happened to me is it sounds like Marty Small didn't actually know if he had the votes or not. And I don't, I don't know if you got that out of it as well. Yeah, but, yeah, that seems like a concern. So something else that I know you said you didn't really want to talk about was, but something that came up in the Facebook group was Bart Blatstein actually gave uh, a pretty long interview, and in it he, uh, one of the things he talked about is how he really wants us to be like, a, you know, this town uh, that really uh, has a lot of allure among sort of 20 to 45 year old single people. And I think that that part of of his vision for Atlantic City is 
sort of, I mean, for that to come true, you kind of have to have things like drinking on the boardwalk. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there were some parts of that interview which were, frankly, uh, a little bit out there, I think. Uh, maybe not quite to, to Glenn Straub levels, but uh, it wasn't stuff I totally agreed with, like how he said there was going to be 20 casinos in Atlantic City. But um, I, I do think that that the idea that I mean, my idea for Atlantic City is probably somewhat close to what what he envisions it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it was that interview uh, with New Jersey Monthly. um, I think it was by Ed Condren. Um, So that was our first sort of glimpse of Blatstein as uh, Straubian (laughs) to to make up over it. It's the first time he really seemed uh, so out there on a couple of things, but uh, mainly the 20 casinos thing and just how optimistic he was about Atlantic city really becoming basically Vegas. Uh, but I think he is probably right that the money's in the clubs. Uh, if you look at Vegas, it's, he was saying it's 70% non-casino revenue and 30% casino revenue, whereas Atlantic city is more like 75% uh, casino revenue and 25% non-casino. I don't have the numbers, so I'm just going to go with what he said, uh, which is not, very journalistically sound, but, um, you know, it's definitely, we talked about this many times, like Atlantic city is just a gambling town, gambling drives, it drives the entertainment. And I think he's right. I think if, if it comes down to adding a bunch of clubs, if that's, what's going to attract young people, uh, I think you're right. Drinking on the boardwalk is going to be a part of it. It's going to be something that people want. And so, like this sort of endless tabling of things that the city council seems to do with a lot of stuff uh, can get pretty frustrating. So I can kind of see where the uh, Atlantic City Alcohol Beverage Control Board chair is is pretty frustrated. Uh, it's surprising to me also that Small, uh, that uh, Marty Small, who's the council president, wouldn't know ahead of time, right, <laughs> if he's got the votes or not. So uh I don't know. Hopefully this still happens. It seems like it's not going to happen this summer, but I guess, I don't know, maybe next summer. But uh, way to get our hopes up, Atlantic City Council. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, just to, in case I didn't make it clear, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. Like I was reading between the lines when I said Marty Small may or may not have had the votes. It didn't say that in the article. It didn't. I, I was just me trying to to sort of look kind of between what he was saying and and figure out what, you know, what the possible reasons could be that this actually isn't coming up for a vote. Uh, it did actually say in the article that uh, Marty Small was not sure the proposal had enough votes to pass. So oh, that was, okay. that was so, said. So, um, so it was not me looking between the lines. It was me actually reading the article. And, right. So that, that was in right. the S. Rosenberg article uh, in yep. the Philly Inquirer. She did absolutely say that. So that okay. is definitely, you know, not something. That so that's probably the reason that it did not get put up for vote. Right. Uh, As we learned with the whole uh, debacle with the dueling AC aid package bills. Yeah, may that never happen again. (laughs) So that's disappointing. Uh, What would be probably even more disappointing is that the Union 54, which is the big casino workers union, uh, is threatening to strike this summer. And that would affect Caesars properties, so... Harris, Caesars, and Bally's. Uh, it would also affect the Tropicana. Um, I'm not sure why it only affects those four and not others. Uh, I guess I didn't do my homework on that. But uh, so they're threatening to to strike, and really, I mean, it would be a crushing blow to those those four casinos to basically have all those workers uh, out during the summer during peak times. I don't know. I, I'm I feel like there's surprisingly little detail about this out there. Uh, I just saw it in, in the one article on, in the press of Atlantic city by Ruben Kramer and, and haven't really seen much else, but uh, they're going to vote. So they're going to vote June 16th on whether or not to authorize the strike. So the strike authorization vote will be on June 16th. And then if they vote, yes, uh, they'll be able to just strike at any time. So that's something to, I wouldn't say look forward to, but <laughs> something to follow closely because uh, that could cause a big mess for those four casinos. So, so I mean, I, I don't know the answer. So what, what happens if they strike? I mean, presumably everything would still be open. They just might have to bring in 
scabs or or something like that or yeah i think they would have to i mean so they uh i mean i i don't know i'm sure that that people know i mean it said in the article that this happened uh in 2004 right and yeah i'm assuming they were on strike for more than a month and right presumably the casinos weren't just closed for a month so so i'm sure that it's probably just bringing in scabs or, or 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 something like that or getting you know people that work in other parts of the casino who aren't striking to to help out in the uh, hospitality parts. Yeah, so I think they said it's, what, bartenders? Um, mm-hmm. Waitresses and things like that, I think. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Bartenders, servers, other hospitality workers, so... Not- yeah, so it, it, just, it just seems like, I mean, I'm not sure... Um, I mean, it just seems like they they think that that now that the times are better again, uh, they should be getting more than what the casinos are offering. Uh, yeah, well, it's a basic justification that they took big cuts during the downtime, so now that things are 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 better again. Yeah, they are they better? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, so I I know that you're 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 still very pessimistic about Atlantic City, but I, I think they are much much better. I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic necessarily. Certainly with eight casinos instead of 12, it's much more stabilized. We saw the the revenue numbers are much, much better, um, especially non-gaming. It seems like the casinos, the remaining eight casinos are doing really well. So, you know, yeah, that that definitely inspires some confidence in the union, it seems like. But from a, someone who's an outsider, this on top of the bankruptcy stuff, like the news just seems so bad <laughs> so it seems to come so fast and so bad for atlantic city sometimes uh so hopefully they figure something out and, and don't go on strike we're kind of bouncing all over the place today with the news uh so i think the next thing with no segue is uh north jersey casinos which we've said uh we thought would not pass we've been pretty optimistic uh from our point of view optimistic i think <laughs> that that it wouldn't pass uh, because the the general voter opinion has been pretty low on casino gambling with the idea that, you know, it didn't really work that well in Atlantic City, so why would we expand it? So Monmouth University did a poll recently saying that 48% now say yes and 48% say no for the referendum. So it is a dead split, according to them. And so this is a Wayne Perry uh, Associated Press article basically saying uh, the new data says right down the middle. So that's interesting. Um, from my point of view, I'm I'm not real happy about it because I'm staunchly, staunchly against and will definitely be at the uh, <laughs> at the poll at the election day voting against it. But. Uh, it's it's surprising because it seems like the view had been so negative toward it up until this, and it seemed like the campaign to make these happen, um, to make the North Jersey casino ha- casinos happen, was going to be such an uphill battle. And now it seems like, well, maybe it's not as uphill a battle as as it seemed even two months ago. So again, I mean, I said this last time uh, that we talked about the polls. Like this is before a dollar has even been spent on you know, advertising and marketing and trying to shape the public opinion. So it it depends on who's putting money where, uh, how much sort of advertising and marketing is going to be done on the pro side and on the against side. And, you know, you're going to have powerful people and and very wealthy people on both sides pumping money into this thing. But uh, 48-48, I'm I'm pretty surprised by that. So I guess we'll see what happens with that and and I'm sure more and more polls will come out that will be much more uh enlightening. Yeah, much more enlightening, much more uh informative and sort of relevant to the actual vote cuz this is still so far out that I don't think it means a whole lot, but definitely a change from what we've heard in the past. Yep. I mean, you know, this this certainly you're you know more about this living in New Jersey than me and Followed along better, but this this is also surprising to me. It, it did seem like before it, it was more unlikely to pass than pass, and that still might be the case. But it at least sheds a little doubt on things, and I'm interested to see what future poll results are. Yeah. 
so again, uh, no segue into this next thing <laughs> as we just run through the news that's happened in the last couple weeks. Uh, Doc's Oyster House, which you and I have both been to and, and enjoyed immensely, I think. Yeah, it was great. Uh, is open again. So it was closed for a little while. They reopened it now with a huge, huge renovation. I think it's, th- what, three times the size that it used to be. Um, so they had a major expansion. And it is uh, reopened. So they can now house many more people. Uh, the capacity is now 330 people, which, I mean, when I, when I went, uh, I guess probably four years ago now, I think it was way, I, I would be shocked if it was a third of that. So, uh, interesting to see, uh, is this is a restaurant that's a family owned restaurant. It's the same family that owns the knife and fork in, uh, it's been around for forever. Uh, so, uh, good to see that it's reopened. People are pretty excited about it. I know, um, at least one person posted on the Facebook page saying that they are going out of their way to go there. I think this weekend, um, and check it out. So hopefully they come back and let us know how it was. And, you know, yep. hopefully Ed, the food's just Ed is good. super excited. So yeah. hopefully he lets us know. Yeah, hopefully Ed will tell us uh, how the food is and how it stacks up to how it was when you and I went. You know, we went separately. So <laughs> both, right. very, both with our wives. Yes. Whatever anniversary trips or whatever they were. But, yes, it was, it was definitely great. I probably went uh, about two years ago, I'd guess. But it was definitely uh, one of my best dining experiences in Atlantic City. And I say that having never gone to, uh, like, Chef Ola's, Knife and Fork, and other places like that. But, but, but Doc's really was very, very good. So you'd rank it ahead of Tony's Baltimore Grill? Uh, I mean, it depends on what you want, I'll, I'll say. But uh, let's say if, if me and my wife want to do a nice dinner, it is the place that we would probably go. If we didn't want to try one of the other places that I haven't been to yet. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's interesting because I have a hard time sort of convincing myself that I should go back, even though now it's going to be very different. Hopefully the menu's similar. I'm assuming it's going to be similar, you know, steaks, oysters, seafood. Um, but there's so many other places that I want to try. So next, you know, next time I go with my wife and we're talking about planning a trip sometime this summer, uh, I expect we'll do you know, maybe Cafe 2825 or Chef Vola's or was sort of one of the other places because we've already done Docs, even though this is a very different iteration of Docs. The the issue with me is I'm sure my wife would love either of those places as well. I, I personally uh, don't, I'm not super fond of Italian food, so I think I probably would much rather go to Docs, but I'm certainly willing to give give either of them a try if if my wife is insistent. <laughs> yeah, Italian food is like her favorite, and it's uh, like my least favorite. Wow! So that's like uh, me and Asian food. It's not my least favorite, but it, I basically never choose to eat it, and my wife absolutely loves it. So, yes, I absolutely love Asian food as well. That is my favorite. Um, so it seems like you should go to Budokan. I tried to talk you into it. But <laughs> you, you weren't interested. Was that when we went to the Continental instead? Yes. I stand by my decision. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the Continental a bunch of times, though. You had never been, so... Yeah. No, it, it I had never good. been. It's very good. It's good. Yeah, uh, both of those are supposed but to be really good. I would love to go to Budokan sometime. Me and... I mean, me and Taylor, maybe. Next time he comes up with us, we'll go. Because uh, he'll, he'll definitely be... He's super interested in Asian food, too, so... I would go. I've heard enough good reviews now that I would go. Um, really interesting sort of atmosphere with the big huge Buddha and kind of like Buddha? dark and uh, it does look super dark in there. Yeah, but it, that's, that's fine. Sometimes it looks, it's interesting. It's, it's a different experience. I think it's, uh, it's like a unique sort of atmosphere. And, and so a lot of people have asked us in the Facebook group, um, you know, I say a lot, it's probably two sort of what are the quintessential things that you should do if you're going to Atlantic city for a couple nights and you haven't been before, or you haven't been in a long time. And the thing that I always say, and I think people may think that it's kind of corny, is go to the playground uh, pier, go up to that third floor, and go to one of the restaurants. You know, go to, like, Continental, go to uh, Budokan, and just sit there because you're out over the water. It's looking back at the boardwalk and the beach and the casinos, and I think that's just a really cool experience. So even though it's kind of maybe not as quintessential AC as, like, Knife and Fork or Docks, 
it to me I think it's it's very cool and and something as a first timer it's probably worth doing. So speaking of food, Borgata has announced some food and drink options. We had talked a bit about their plan for an outdoor pool. Uh, they released a press release talking about that outdoor pool and also talking about the beer garden that is going to be adjacent to it and then also the marketplace that is replacing what was the the cafeteria that had your favorite fat burger, uh, Tony Luke's, and a couple other things. There's like a Ben and Jerry's down there. Uh, so we saw that all walled up. We posted a picture of the wall covering the escalators uh, on our Twitter feed last time we were in town. So the marketplace, just starting with that, uh, they say, their their press release says, the marketplace will present an inviting atmosphere where guests are encouraged to taste and experience an abundance of fine cheeses, charcuterie, olive oil, and lavazza coffee from the coffee bar. Uh, so like, I know that this is a thing, but it's a thing that I just could not care less about. Is like the yeah, olive oil I, bar. <laughs> I I agree. Uh, so there's Chelsea Market in New York has a big olive oil bar, and it's they're in like taps like beer would be, and you get them in like little growlers like you'd get beer. So I saw it and I was like, that's awesome! It's beer. And no, it was olive oil, and that was not exciting at all. And it's like a bunch of weird flavors of olive oil. So apparently that's really something that people are really into. Like more power to you if that's your yeah, your thing. I mean, it seems like something that that foodies would like. However, I'm I'm far from a foodie, so. Right. So it, so the interesting thing to me, um, besides just the press release jargon, which I always love, uh, is that this is a retail store. Uh, you know, it's going to have the, some food uh, dining stations, they call them. Um, but it seems like a big section of it's going to be dedicated to this retail and um, this is something that actually is pretty popular in New York. There's a place, the, the basement of the Plaza Hotel is very similar. It's Todd English, uh, who totally did the whole thing, and it's the same thing. It's retail, and then there's little restaurant stations where you sort of sit in the middle of this. I mean, Italy is a much, much bigger version of this, basically, but I don't think it's comparable just because it's so huge. Um, there's a place in uh, Brookfield Place in downtown New York called Le District that's the same kind of thing. It's all French, but... Um, and it, it works really well. I'll say it is very, very cool, um, and I think Borgata's the perfect place for it. It's... I expect it's going to be high-end, just because the other places I mentioned are all very high-end, and so, you know, certainly, like we talked about, going from having Fat Burger and, and Tony Luke's and places where you could grab food really quick... Uh, for cheap, you know, get a meal for less than 10 bucks. I don't think that's going to be in the cards anymore. So uh, that's kind of a a disappointment in some ways, but it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, There's going to be an option, I think, to do sit-down eating um, sort of in what it sounds like sort of like the wine area. So I guess I didn't copy that into into the notes, but they did mention that there's going to be um, the uh, like sit down eating on top of the dining stations. One of the things they say about the retail area is that there will be a dedicated retail specialist available to guide customers through the store and assist in selecting items items for customized gift baskets. While an ambient wine bar allows guests to dine in. Oh, so there's the the dining in. Uh, and enjoy a collection of vintages from around the world. So a dedicated retail specialist is just like a sales floor person, right? Like Yes. Like correct. If when I go to the gap and somebody helps me pick out a shirt, is that a, a, dedicated, a dedicated retail, retail specialist? specialist? Okay. Yes. So again, PR PR speak is just the best. I love it. Um and this is is chock full of it. So I expect just based on Borgata's track record that they're going to pull it off marvelously and it's going to be awesome. So We'll see. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be open fairly soon. I know the pool, the outdoor pool, is supposed to open, I think, July 1st. Uh, or July 1st is the beer garden. Uh, and then the pool is supposed to be opening in early July. 
So I'm not sure about the marketplace. Friday, July 1st. So that is also supposed to be July 1st. So very soon, you know, three weeks out. Uh, so I'll be interested to see sort of what people's take on it is and, and if they like it or if they feel like, hey, I'd rather go down and get my um, free samples of teriyaki chicken and then grab a fat burger and head back up to the tables. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about it. So I do know how you feel about it because, A, you love fat burger, and B, you gamble at Harrah's almost specifically so that you can run across to Chipotle and get lunch and get back to the table. Yes, and we were talking about Harrah's, uh, Las Vegas, of course. It's a totally different Harrah's, totally different Not experience. Atlantic City. Yeah. Uh, there's no Chipotle at Harris Atlantic City. In case you're no, wondering, in case you're like just dashed yeah. to your computer to look up where the Chipotle <laughs> is, it's not there. No, but it is right next to Harris Las Vegas, and I eat there a lot. Uh, I've never eaten at the Chipotle there, I don't think. Um, so the other thing mentioned as we get off of the Chipotle topic is that the beer garden will open next to the new outdoor pool. And so the pool is going to be open only to people who are staying at Borgata or Water Club. The beer garden is going to be open to everybody. And so let me prepare for more press, press, press release jargon. It will be a full-service canopied bar. So a bar with a roof on it. Um, serving more than 15 craft and domestic beers. Now... Maybe I'm just a snob because I live and work in a city that has many bars. Fifteen craft, craft and domestic beers, that's not a lot of taps. And not only that, last time we got sucked in with a claim like this, it was Mountain Bar or um, not the, the new one in Valleys. The Boardwalk Saloon. Yes, the Boardwalk Saloon, and which had 22 quote-unquote craft beers or some number like that. And... There were zero craft beers. And 22 beers, which were like Budweiser, Miller Lite, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't even like Goose Island and... <laughs> no. Like Anheuser-Busch-owned craft beers. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, I trust Borgata to do this better than I trust Wild Wild West. So we'll see. Um, I don't really know how you... Well, there are beer gardens here that don't have a ton of beer selection. They have... Right, but they're all the beers they have are good. Right. So that's what I want. I And I think you can definitely make a better... Like, you don't need to have 100 taps. You need to have... You can have 15 taps, and as long as they're all really good beers, I'm totally satisfied. Uh, and so I feel like I'm seeing that more and more now in New York, where like even bars that only have a dozen taps have eight really good beers... And then, you know, Bud Light, Coors Light. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, when I go to a bar and they've got, like, six taps and it's five macro brews and yingling, like that, I'm always kind of turned off by that. Like, when Sam Adams is your most micro brew, uh, I get all snobbed out and I'm like, ugh, you guys don't know good beer. But anyways, that's a conversation for a podcast that is not this one. Sam Adams is good beer, correct? I don't like it. Um, it's delicious. So they also say they'll have an entertainment stage with live bands every Friday through Sunday. Uh, there will be a variety of lawn games and activities. The patrons will be treated to unique events, such as beer and bites happy hour, pig roast Thursdays, and Sunday scotch and cigars. So do any of those things sound appealing to you, or are you going to get uh, scotch and cigars? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this 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 isn't for me. I mean, these are not. This does not intrigue me at all. To me, it it seems like it appeals to the sort of people who. Uh, I don't know. It's just people are like, oh, this is a really nice, you know, glass of scotch, blah 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 blah, and it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just it's totally totally not for me. I mean, I'm just not the the market that they're going for. So I'm assuming they're going for people who are willing to spend, you know, $10 on a 10-ounce pour of some triple IPA or, like, Belgian. Yeah. And people who 
are willing to spend twenty dollars on a on an old scotch. So it's just smart, I don't know. smart it's business. For, for, for me, and this is probably a, a million percent unfair and just shows all my biases. It's just for people who who really like talking about stuff that yeah that they think they know a lot about, which they probably don't really know a lot about, and and it's just it's totally not for me. Yeah, I I check it out. I'm interested to see. So I'm one of those people who likes to talk about things like I know what I'm talking about, and when it comes to beer. Uh, which, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm still going to totally, like, scoff at them if they have 15 sort of shitty beers and they claim that they're all craft beers, but, you know. I drank a Bush Light last night, yeah. and it was You great. know what, though? Like, I'll say this. I love really good beer, but I really love some cheap swill. Like, give me a Pabst Blue Ribbon, and I'm totally fine. Um, Some Rolling Rock. It's all delicious. I do uh, like Rolling Rock. So, I mean, you know, that's the beer garden, the pool. We talked about the marketplace. There's the dining stations in the marketplace I totally neglected to mention, but it seems like they're just sort of generic, you know, salad place, burger place, taco place, Asian food place, pizza, and then a sub and Philly steak place. Uh, so it seems like, you know, if you've been to Harrah's where they got rid of the sack of subs and whatever else was in that food court area – and replaced it with sort of their own version of things. Like they've got that donut place that has booze, like boozy milkshakes and, and frozen drinks. Uh, they've got a pizza place that actually the pizza is pretty solid. So it seems like this is going in a similar direction, although it's Borgata, so I'm assuming it's going to be done really top-notch. But it'll be interesting to see uh, all of that stuff and how that plays out. So bigger news, openings... Plans, Showboat and Revel, who have been closed since we've started this podcast, since well before we started this podcast. Uh, and in fact, if you actually read the show notes, you'll see that Showboat and Revel still closed is the last item on every single episode. Uh, that may not be true for much longer for either of those casinos. And so Showboat... Well. In, in theory, by the time we do our next episode, it will those will not be the show notes. Yeah, that's crazy. I'll have to figure something else out to uh, to put there. So, Showboat kind of a surprise announcement. I thought um, like I hadn't really heard much about about Showboat at all, other than that Blatstein didn't really have a plan set up. Like not that he didn't have a plan, but that he wasn't saying specifically if he was going to be if it was going to be a casino or when it was going to open or anything and then suddenly he was like oh yeah we're opening 850 rooms in july uh so that's a big 180 <laughs> uh so ruben kramer i think was the first to report on this from the press of Atlant press of atlantic city uh basically saying 850 852 rooms no casino um he's hoping for fourth of july but it'll probably be the next weekend he doesn't necessarily think that fourth of july is realistic um, but still, very fast turnaround for uh, for the showboat, and, and interesting that it sort of went from no news to, oh, hey, you might be able to get a room this summer at the showboat. Uh, so then Wayne Perry actually posted something today, um, posted, wrote something today for the Associated Press, uh, comparing Revel and Showboat's plans for opening and how different they are, and really uh, provided some some nuggets that answered a lot of the questions that I had. Uh, first and foremost, Blatstein will keep the showboat name. So the showboat will open as the showboat, which means, you know, since it looks like a big boat that is simple and you don't have to sort of come up with some bullshit excuse as to why you've got this hotel that looks like a giant boat or try to come up with some other nautical-themed name. Uh, it said he plans to run it as a non-gambling resort, like we mentioned, but he said there will be numerous attractions. Uh, he has not announced any of those attractions. It seems like he has no plans at all to open a casino. I mean, I guess that option is always open to him, but uh, it seems to me like he is planning on just making this just a hotel, no casino. Um, so I guess the big thing that I'm wondering is, like, did he renovate these rooms that are going to open, or is he just kind of opening them as is, and then the rooms that are not involved in the opening will get renovated while he's got some, some revenue coming in 
from uh, the 850 or so rooms that, that do open. So that I, I haven't heard an answer to. Um, they did a job fair just a couple of days ago that drew 3,000 people for 200 jobs. Uh, so that's that's kind of crazy and shows you just how much demand there is for jobs in Atlantic City. Although I guess that's reflective of how many jobs have been lost in Atlantic City over the last few years. Uh, so I don't know. What is, what's your take on Showboat opening with, with 150 rooms um, or 850 rooms? So that leaves about 480 of their rooms not open. Um, but what do you think? I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, I feel like I don't know enough to have an opinion. I think that again, this like like Revel, it's a little weird and sudden to me. But I mean, I I know that you can get a decent room rate, especially on the weekend in the summer. So I guess it makes some sense. Um, but just it's weird to have a hotel that's only a hotel. Right there, especially when you plan, you plan to have it be so much more later. Yeah, and I, I mean, it seems like Straub is kind of going with the same plan for Revel, although he claims he's going to have a bunch of other stuff opening up with it. Uh, I mean, it seems to me like his, like Blatstein's feeling is basically that the occupancy rates during the summer are super high, so we might as well get this thing open up and opened up and get some income coming in. Um, so like I said, it's a, there, there's about 1,330 rooms at Showboat, so it seems like maybe 450 are not going to be open. Um, so I'm thinking he's probably just opening it as is. I mean, that's based on just nothing, my own assumption, and that he's going to work on those other 400, whatever, 480 rooms, uh, and renovate those, and then as those get renovated, he'll sort of cycle out other floors and, and renovate those, the floors that he cycles out. Um, but you know, we haven't heard anything about anything, you know, restaurants, what's going on with the huge, huge, huge casino floor. That's just this wide open, vast expanse at, at, uh, at showboat, you know, cause you walked in and the casino floor is this, this giant rectangle. Uh, so is that just going to be walled off and you're going to walk in and it's just going to be walls and, and you're going to be sad because you know what's actually behind. <laughs> what used to be behind those walls was a great, in my opinion, casino. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of info that we haven't heard. I mean, I guess we're going to hear a lot very soon in the next three weeks. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, I am I would definitely book a showboat room. I mean, if they were cheap Friday, Saturday night, like I would totally book it. Maybe I would find it to just be super depressing because I know how much I enjoyed it when it was the showboat as it was before it closed. But, you know, cheap, decent rooms on the boardwalk are hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, I think the most, the, the, the best piece of news to come out of this whole thing was that, uh, it it seemed to me like Bart Bladstein kind of just got a Twitter account just to start talking about this, and I could be wrong. He could have had older stuff on it that I just didn't see, but it was uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, and he did actually tweet something about the um, House of Blues. He posted a picture of yeah. the theater saying, like, oh, this great space will be in use again. Um, so, you know, obviously people are very quick to speculate, like, oh, the House of Blues is going to be back. Like, that's not what that means. <laughs> like, just just because it's being used doesn't mean it's going to be used. And it's used for rock and roll acts or whatever. Right. So, and I don't really know, who knows what kind of relationship he has with the former tenants. I mean, obviously we've heard so much about the Revel formal tenants, but I haven't heard much at all about his, uh, the tenants at Showboat, like House of Blues or the restaurants, you know. Johnny Rockets. <laughs> so I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with that. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, definitely follow our Twitter account. We'll be posting and retweeting whenever we see any news about this come up. Um, so the other big thing uh, that Wayne Perry talked about was uh, Glenn Straub and the updates of his attempted opening that we are now five days away from on June 15th. And he still claims it's going to happen. And every day I feel like somebody goes on Twitter and posts a picture of Revel where this ropes course is supposed to be and there's just nothing happening, like no crews or anything, no construction crew, nothing going up. So he says in five days 
He's going to open 900 rooms. He figures they will be occupied by guests of the casino company. Like he said, he'll take walk-ins, but he figures most of them will be guests of the casino operator, which kind of makes no sense because the casino is not going to be in place at that time. Like it seems like it's going to take more like two more months or so uh, to get the casino up and running. Uh, So I don't really understand that portion of it. Uh, there's still no phone line. There's still no reservations or anything. They don't have a name yet. Uh, although he did say that he has some Asian painters coming up with the artwork, which uh, Wayne Perry presumed maybe was a hint toward the name or the theme of the casino. So it would be interesting if he does go very like Asian theme since that's all the rage in Vegas development. But I don't know. I mean, I can't – like what – I guess that opens up a lot of name options, but you know none of the ones we've seen thrown around were Asian inspired. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, we'll we'll know more. Hope, presumably, we'll know more by Wednesday, but who knows? Yeah, when just nothing happens. When Wednesday comes and like literally nothing happens and nothing opens, and he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, we didn't quite make it. <laughs> That's my prediction. Uh, so he did say the ropes course was going to happen by June 15th. I don't see how. He said they'd open 13 cabanas, meaning I'm guessing they're going to have the pool up and running, uh, the zip line, and a 13-story bicycle endurance track in the parking garage. Now, I don't know what a bicycle endurance track is. I don't know how it's possible that it would be 13 stories. So this kind of gave me more questions than answers. Uh, and I'm just really confused about all this because it seems like like everything we've seen has been that nothing's ready to go. Like we haven't heard anything about restaurants and the restaurants are run by independent companies who you think would all have, you know, have their shit together enough to be like, oh, hey, you can make a reservation now at Muscle Bar. <laughs> like we're opening in five days. But we haven't heard any of that. So yeah, I just can't see it opening in five days. I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe it'll, maybe you'll have two rooms open. Maybe it'll be like, yeah, we opened. You can walk in and get a room right now. We don't have cleaning staff. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. The whole thing's incredibly confusing and I don't know. I'm going I'll I'll say I don't see it happening on June 15th, but he still says it's going to happen. We will see. I mean, it's 5 days away. Yes. Uh so actually one question that I kind of kind of popped into my mind based on this information about Revel and Showboat is since so much of the success of Atlantic City is pegged on gaming revenue. And you see it with, you know, that's the way they compare month over month and year over year at the casinos. That's the way they say, oh, you know, it's $2.6 million in casino revenue down from its peak of 5.2. Like, you see that in every single article about the state of Atlantic City. Uh, These casinos, for now, are going to open and not bring in casino revenue. So it's it'll be interesting because it's not going to be really clear, I think, how how successful they are because we're not going to get the data. So we're kind of I think we're going to kind of have to rely on anecdotal evidence. And, you know, I'm assuming they're both like knowing how how Bart Blatstein and Glenn Straub are and how they've talked about their other projects. Um I'm assuming that no matter what happens, they're going to be like, this is a great success. Like, you know, if Showboat opens and they rent you know, 20% of the rooms that they open up, I I have a feeling we're still going to hear Blatstein say how amazing it is. I mean, you said how successful the playground is, uh, and I think we have differing definitions of success, but I don't know. So that's kind of an interesting side note of just random Atlantic City geeking out on the data kind of thing, is that, you know, we always think about the gaming revenue, and... We're not going to get a lot of data from these, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, is there... Do you know something different? Am I missing missing out on something? No, I mean, I think it's going to... Like you said, it's going to be a lot of anecdotes. And, I mean, I imagine some of it is going to be reported by the the local press and and people that have sources and connections in the company, but it's not going to come out in the publicly reported data that the New Jersey State Gaming Commission puts out. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not going to be, well, Revel will be, I'm assuming, because they want to open a casino, but Showboat's not going to be subject to the same 
reporting, right? Like right. the Chelsea and, is well, not on these lists. <laughs> yeah, but 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 honestly, we we really don't have any of that information for any of the other casinos that are open now. So we don't we are not seeing the full picture. Well, yeah, we do see some like annual revenue reports that that try to yeah, that, peg. that's that is actually true. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, but we don't get the month by month breakdowns. We only get the annual sort of reports for these casinos. You're you're right. There is something that comes. Yeah, out. it's much more difficult to track. Um, but I'm interested to see how it does. I think you know just room rates alone will be a pretty clear indicator. You know, if if Showboat opens and two weeks later the room rates are fifty dollars on a weekend, I think you can surmise that it's not doing so great. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it happens. And one one big thing that gets talked about, or that got talked about, with these openings is that they are opening things that are, well, right now Showboat it seems like is just a hotel, but Revel's really trying to go with non-casino attractions. So if you think that that's the future of Atlantic City and what they really need to do, which I think most people do, uh, this really you know, you really need to be hoping that this succeeds <laughs> because things like ropes courses and endurance bicycle tracks or whatever he's talking about and equestrian and all that other stuff, like that kind of stuff is supposed to be the attraction uh, beyond just the gaming that Atlantic City needs to move forward from totally reliant on gaming revenue, especially if North Jersey gets casinos. Uh, so the big news that we're now pretty late on reporting about because this happened, what, probably 10 days ago or more, is that MGM Resorts, seemingly out of nowhere, purchased the remaining 50% of Borgata from Boyd Gaming. So it was it's always been a 50-50 split, MGM and Boyd. MGM actually had some shady dealings that I guess New Jersey didn't like and forced them to put their 50% holding in escrow for quite yep. a while. And that was, I think, a few years ago, they were allowed to get their 50% back. And so now they're buying the other 50% from Boyd Gaming. And this this was a shock. I mean, I was completely caught off guard. I don't know if you had heard any inklings at all nope. about this. And I know it's something that we had talked about, like, oh, you know, 50%... MGM, you know, is it going to be under MLife? Is it going to be under whatever Boyd's, you know, B Connected or whatever it's called, um, Players Club? It was never under either. It was always under its own thing. Um, so the the reaction was really interesting uh, on Twitter and the Facebook group because I think the the first, you know, the first minute was just holy crap! Like this is incredible. MGM, huge national chain has a presence all over the place, has presence in Vegas, is opening the the National Harbor um, casino just outside of D.C. in Maryland. They've got casinos in Biloxi and other places. And so there's an excitement about now having another place where you can play in Atlantic City and and convert your play um, to rooms elsewhere, specifically in Vegas. Because for now, Total Rewards is the only game in town for that. And for a long time, that was our reason for sticking with Total Rewards, right? Like, we basically said, you know, we go to Vegas maybe once a year. And for whatever, three to four years, that was pretty much the case. And so if you're going to go to Atlantic City, you might as well gamble at Total Rewards properties where you can turn around and get a comp in Vegas. Because I certainly don't play enough in Vegas to get comps just on the merits of, of that play. Uh, and I think we've seen that in the Facebook group also. It's a lot of people said, hey, I go to Vegas you know, once or twice a year, and that alone keeps me in the Total Rewards ecosystem. So the big initial reaction was, now we have, we're going to have MLife, which is an assumption. I mean, we don't know for sure that MLife is going to be the Players Club, but I would certainly assume... Um, so I don't know what's what was your what was your initial reaction when you heard of it? Were you were you excited? Were you skeptical? Nervous? Some combination thereof? Um, I actually was probably none of those things. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm I guess I'm a little bit not skeptical, but 
you know, moderately concerned because I, you know, I've been on record over and over saying that Borgata is the nicest place to play in Atlantic City and I don't want anything major to change for the worse there. But I suspect that it's going to be, there might be minor changes, you know, after MGM gets gets in there and sort of things settle down a little bit. They might raise some fees and rates in the Borgata. I'm actually almost positive they're going to. But but hopefully they're not going to change too much about the actual experience in the casino and the gaming and, and the stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was sheer excitement. Like, when within seconds of seeing that pop up on Twitter, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. You know, MGM, uh, big casino company, pretty well regarded. I mean, in, in general, if you are not a big Vegas geek who now hates them for their latest profit growth plan practices you know there is a lot of there is a sense that like mgm is just a a cut above the total rewards properties i don't know how true that is anymore i mean bellagio is certainly better than in my mind better than anything that that caesars has to offer like i don't particularly like caesar's palace in vegas and that's their highest highest end thing there and for a while caesars was kind of just out there buying up any junk property they could get their hands on but at this point, you know, they've renovated a lot of them, and I'm not sure. I mean, I, there's a very good chance that the next time I go to Vegas, I stay at the link. Um, but that's, you know, not Atlantic City related. Uh, so so my initial excitement was like, okay, wow, you know, I would love to go play at Borgata and see if I can get some comps at, you know, Bellagio and Mandalay and, and other casinos, you know, whatever, Park MGM or whatever they're changing the name of, of Monte Carlo to. Uh, but then, you know, I started thinking about the profit growth growth plan and the things they're doing in Vegas. Like, you know, everything's six five blackjack and just the things that I really love about Borgata. Just I started getting this fear that they were going to go away. And we've talked about a lot of the things that we really like, which are how well they treat players, their fees, the resort fees are, I think, like third lowest in the city. Uh, the parking fee is five bucks flat rate, right? So yep. yeah, I mean those things are, are really good for the player. They treat you well. They, you know, maybe not the most generous with room comps, but very generous with other things like buffet passes and match play and things like that. You know, I'd say even more generous than total rewards. Uh, so my fear was, you know, are, are these things going away? Like, are they going to tighten up on the comps? Because M Life certainly has tightened up on the comps on their Vegas players. Uh, according to people who play there regularly. And so that fear came in, you know, are they going to make the resort fee $30? Are they going to make parking this variable rate thing that Caesars does now where it's like 25 bucks on Saturday if it's peak time? Um, so I did get very nervous. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the fees, yes, that's what everybody wants to talk about because they're very tangible. But a bigger concern for me, like you mentioned, was messing with the gambling. You know, if they're going to come in and and twenty dollar pie got poker, if the yellow chip is no longer a thing, right? And you, there's no more twenty dollar pie got poker, no more twenty dollar tiles. If it's all twenty five dollars, like that doesn't seem like a huge difference, but it makes a difference in sort of your experience and, and how you feel you're being treated. If they change blackjack to six to five, even if it's at some of the tables. I feel like that just leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. And to me, the biggest thing is Borgata has a ton of full pay jacks or better tables. They have very, very good video poker there. And MGM and really the strip as a whole, as I understand it, has very little full pay video poker anymore. Not None, I think. And Yeah, and so the the research, I think, that has gone into things like that in Vegas or the data that, that these companies have come up with in Vegas is a huge majority of the people don't understand the difference between three, two and six, five blackjack. They don't understand Like they just sit at a video poker machine and assume it's all the same. Um, so it's really a small percentage of people who care about, you know, making sure they're getting a nine, six table and making sure, I mean, nine, six pay table on, on jacks are better, uh, which is full pay, uh, you know, making sure they're they're getting the best rules on on blackjack and on craps. But my my feeling is, my hope is that they don't mess with a good thing. And my feeling is, if they come in and try to do that, 
like we've said, Atlantic City is so much more of a gambling town than Vegas. Like, it's so much more reliant on gambling. I have a hard time seeing that being as successful. Like, you can't... It's not on the strip, you know? Borgata draws people specifically for Borgata. So if they come in and say, well, we've got the nicest property, so we're going to do all this anyway and still dominate, like, I think they might be rudely, uh, rudely awakened, but it's hard to say. I, I just... I don't know. I mean, for them to come in and and if they do completely change the gambling, like like you said, you were scared about. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be soon. I'll put it that way. I mean, I like I said, I'm I'm moderately concerned, but I think any changes that are made are going to be very slow because I think they know that if they just come in and change everything, there's going to be a huge public outcry, especially considering their reputation right now with everything they're doing in Vegas. To me, they seem almost defiant about that. <laughs> you know, like they're very, very much like, well, every other city charges for parking, and you know, this is profit growth plan is by demand of our customers and things like that. And it does seem like they very much sort of justify all of this in their minds, and they don't see their reputation as bad at all. <laughs> so, so I'm not entirely sure that they're gonna come in with that sense of like, well, we don't want to bring our bad Vegas reputation to Atlantic City or anything, uh, because I think they don't see it that way at all. I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right that it's it's not going to be instant. I think they're going to let it play out for a bit. And, you know, since Revel, uh, Revel since Borgata is such a huge moneymaker, uh, you know, Revel definitely not such a huge moneymaker, but since Borgata is such a huge uh, profit generator, they can basically just sit on this thing, right, and let it collect cash and not make any big changes and kind of allow it will kind of allow them to make small tweaks over a longer period of time that put the screws to you over the course of a couple of years <laughs> rather than just instituting all these things at once. So I don't know. No, they're they're not going to do it all at once. I mean, I think that would be insanity. But I mean, it's going to be coming, but it's going to be over a period of time. Yeah, so I mean, my hope is that they sort of say, hey, this place is so well run, <laughs> because it is, and let's just let it keep doing what it's doing, at least for a while. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, if they raise the resort fee a few bucks and they raise the parking fee a few bucks, like, that doesn't really affect me that much. It's all the other stuff. Like, it's stuff that's actually on the casino floor. Um, you know, the service, the comps, the, you know, not necessarily actual comps, but things like match play, uh, and just the availability of games that are not exorbitant. I mean, the crazy thing to me is that I feel like I go to Borgata and they've got lower limits sometimes than Tropicana has on a like Saturday afternoon evening. So that kind of stuff, you know, I'm worried that it'll be going by the wayside and would affect me much, much more than a few extra bucks on the parking charge. Yeah, I agree. So, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else to add about MGM. I think in general, like, my overall sense is is excitement, but there's definitely a level of, of weariness. Uh, whereas it seems like you're more just like, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I think changes are going to come, but I don't think it's going to come all at once. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, you seem to be much more pessimistic about this, I guess. I don't know. It's not pessimistic. It's it's overthinking it, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, think like, because I was so excited about it when I first heard about it, I think I had to sort of check myself and think, oh, but what about the bad things? What about, you know, it's not like MGM, some great company that I'm so glad that they're coming in. I mean, I don't. what company is? Like, what casino company is like i'd be more excited if borgata as a management company was taking over some other casino right like they're as good as it gets <laughs> so um you know mgm caesars whatever las vegas fans like win none of them are really great for the players necessarily so um which in a way should give you reason for optimism because the one thing that all those companies have in in common is that they are major Las Vegas strip operators. So if you feel like they're sort of whatever they do that's not good for the player is is more of a product of being on the Las Vegas strip, then 
sort of a company philosophy. Maybe that's a reason for optimism, but it definitely seems like MGM's company philosophy right now is to squeeze every penny they can get out of their players. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. I'm not as pessimistic as I think I I made it seem. It's just that I've thought so much about, like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? Um, So I'm sorry if I've made it sound like I'm so totally pessimistic about it when I'm not really. But, you know, something to follow, something exciting for, for Atlantic City at the very least. Uh, are we ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think so. I think this has been a pretty long episode. I don't know if it's actually been a long episode or if we've just been interrupted by dogs and babies. And by that, I mean my my dog and my baby. Uh, yeah, well, we have, like... Uh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. Either way, I think it's time. Yeah, let's do it. So, I want to thank everyone... Uh, for listening. Thanks to anyone who's been posting in the Facebook group. We're up to 58 members, I think, which is pretty cool. Um, you can go there and talk about whatever you want to talk about Atlantic City related, whether that's your excitement about MLife or dread about MGM profit growth plan or your feelings about restaurant openings and ask questions about where to go and what to eat and where to, where to gamble and all that stuff. Uh, you will find our podcast with the show notes that link to all the stories that we talk about at doforawin.com. You can find our podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. We're on Twitter at Do For A Win. Uh, the Facebook group that I just mentioned and did not give a URL for is at facebook.com slash groups slash win. And you can send questions to doforawin at gmail.com. So, we look forward to hearing from you all, and hopefully we'll be back on in a couple of weeks. So before we log out, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll just take this opportunity to talk about some, some something else that sort of has pop, popped into my mind recently over the last few days. So I know we've talked about this briefly in other episodes, but do you, do you think, like, let's say right now, someone came down, gave you, I don't know, $50,000 or $100,000, and they're like, I want you to invest this in real estate somewhere. Is Atlantic City like a plausible place to do that? Because clearly two very rich men, Bart Blatstein, Glenn Straub, think it is the best place to invest in real estate. What do you think? Uh, I'm pretty risk averse, so I probably would not do that, but... I did just read an article about people who are buying up insanely cheap real estate in Atlantic City and and basically being landlords like they're yeah, renting I, it out. I I saw that as well. Uh, uh I don't remember what what paper that was in, but I definitely saw that. Yeah, there's there's money to be made there, but I I can't see myself using it for that. It's just too too risky. Too yeah, I mean it's it's high risk high reward you know if it pays off it, you're gonna go so so here's my my claim i mean is it really high risk are prices really gonna go down that much farther That's a good point it's actually yeah you could argue it's very low risk and very very high <laughs> right? reward right like if in 10 years bart blatstein's dream comes true and there are 20 casinos <laughs> like anything you bought for whatever a hundred thousand dollars is going to be worth way 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 more than that so yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe we should all be buying Atlantic City, you know, property as our lottery ticket towards retirement. I I think it's interesting. I actually I personally, I mean, if you look at it compared to any of the other property on the New Jersey shore anywhere, I mean, it's it's not cheaper, just not just cheaper. It's drastically wildly cheaper. And I I I actually think it's pretty interesting. I I, I and I think it's happened several times on the show. I think I have a more optimistic view than you do, but I think it is probably a reasonable time to get into uh, Atlantic City real estate. But uh, I mean, I tend to agree with with Glenn Straub and Bart Blatstein. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So it's interesting that you mentioned the risk thing, right? Because one thing that Blatstein actually said in the article we mentioned, where he says there are going to be twenty casinos in Atlantic City, is um, I don't know if he was asked or if he just brought this uh, on whatever, unsolicited. Uh, But he said something like, oh, so what happens if Showboat fails, right? Like he paid 20-something million dollars for it. So he he said, you know, so what if it fails? I have the nicest beach house on the boardwalk, 
right? Like, could you imagine basically you have the showboat to yourself <laughs> as a beach house because you're not making any money on it as a as a hotel? So that's how he sees it. Like, it's so low risk to him. I mean, twenty three twenty three million dollars to Bart Blatstein probably doesn't. I mean, it, it's meaningful, but it's not. It's not a devastating thing for him if it fails. And same thing for Straub. You know, $82 million for a property that cost over $2 million to build. Like, the risk is insanely low. And you've brought that up many times. Like, he bought something that was so cheap that, you know, he can afford to do things like, say, he's going to make it a whatever campus for geniuses or put in a bunch of ropes courses and crazy whatever bungee jumping virtual bungee jumping stuff and just see what sticks uh so yeah maybe it's not high risk and maybe that's actually what atlantic city needs for sort of just trial and error and getting towards this this future where it's not just a gambling town um but as i've said with every other topic uh (laughs) that we talked about today we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah, I mean, I'm curious. I, I do I do think when people look back on sort of the 2010 to 2015 era, they'll I think they'll see that it was a great opportunity, but maybe not. I mean, maybe that's just my my personal prejudices sort of clouding my judgment. I, I was reading that that Blatstein article, and I kind of had visions of both sides, you know, where it becomes Camden, New Jersey, where everything's just desolate, and you've got these big hulking shells of former casinos. Or the flip side of it, where they totally nail the thing, I mean, over a long period of time with with non-gaming attractions, and it really does become the biggest attraction on the Jersey Shore of casinos, non-gaming attractions, shows, and just everything, and it really becomes like the Vegas of the East, and I could totally see it going both ways, Um, and, you know, I don't want to sound totally pessimistic, because I think... Of those two scenarios, I I would actually argue that the the success scenario is more likely, um, just because I think there's still I mean there's still 2.6 billion dollars coming in just in gaming revenue alone. Like there's a lot of money there, and if it's just a matter of figuring out how to get people to spend a little to spend money on things other than gambling, I think somebody's going to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm optimistic. Yeah, so, so I just thought it was an interesting little conversation to have. Yeah, and I think that's a good, good optimistic way to end the show, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've already done the sign off. But thanks, guys, for listening, and and we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Yep. See you then. When are we, uh... Going to Vegas? Yeah. August. No. Try again. Later in the year. Uh, July 2017. Uh, maybe. <laughs>